This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Yeah, that's right. It's what Jin's talking about. Mm-hmm. Only on Behind the Steel Curtain. It is the conversation about the conversation. That's right. We uh, we look over everything that Steeler Nation has been tweeting about. Oh. And uh, and for good or bad, mostly bad, we mostly are here. Bad. We're here to expose it and to you know maybe maybe teach you how to be a better fan maybe out there Steeler Nation I am your host Kyle Christ with me as always is Greg Benevent hello and you know gosh Steeler Steeler is this Steeler Nation is acting like this is the worst of times mm-hmm. uh sure it's a, it's a tie against a winless team but you know it's still a tie but mm-hmm. Steeler Steeler this is the worst we've seen Steeler Nation all year and you know we've seen we've seen a bad loss against the Bengals <laughs> mm-hmm. uh we've seen you know a three week losing streak but mm-hmm. man this is our our lowest point yet luckily we're here we have some uh we have some good news later in the show mm-hmm. we've got uh, Mario Lopez mm-hmm. AC Slater himself he's got a little Steelers connection that I guarantee no one uh, knows about and uh this is it's a, it's a, it's a story worth listening to but you're going to have to get through all the Steeler hate uh. Uh, let's let's get to the tweets <laughs> all right let's start with Joe Starkey from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Most ridiculous football game ever played. This was this was a this seemed mm. to be a resounding uh 
uh, a dis- dis- display from Steelers Nation. We've got also from at Tokyo X Mo. This is the most pathetic display of American football I've ever seen in my life. Obviously, a Brit or something. <laughs> even our own, even our own Michael Beck at Michael Beck fifty six. I'm ashamed the Steelers. Couldn't get Boswell a crack. I mean, gosh, Steeler Nation, can we act like we've been here before, please? Is this really the most ridiculous football game ever played? I I, I mean, I I feel like it's the most ridiculous football game ever played in like the last five weeks. Sure. But it um, no, again, as I say every week when we get to the uh, massive overreaction portion of the tweets, it's perfectly understandable to be negative, to be down, to be upset. Uh, The goal is not to verbalize that in such a way that it goes out to potentially thousands of people all at once. Well, that's the thing. You know, sure, you can be down. I'm not happy that we tied the Lions. Certainly. uh, In a in a season where we're going to need every half game we can get. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, come on. you got to act like you've been here before. The most ridiculous game ever played. I don't, you know, uh, I can remember. We'll, we'll get to it because, let's you know, let's just keep, let's just keep going, mm-hmm. uh, Twitter. Because uh, at Alex Kazora, today's loss has that big 2002. Well, first of all, it was a tie, Alex. Okay, today's <laughs> loss has a, has a big 2002 Steelers-Texans feel to it i mean mm. come on now you remember that texans game uh, actually that, that's ironic that's the one game that i didn't actually was in my life able to follow whatsoever since 1991 and i always assumed on some level that's why that went so badly but when i did go back and look at it when you look at the steelers texans game the one thing you remember is that steelers were moving up and down the field in that game the yeah. defense was great it's just in that game i, th- I want to say it was at least one fumble and one maddox interception maybe two maddox interceptions that went back for touchdowns so it was they were dominant but the turnovers did them in and they couldn't punch it in in the red zone. This game was not that. There was no moment in that, you know, Texas 2002 Steelers-Texans game where, like, the Texans ripped off this 40-some yard run. There was no, uh, uh, you know, big stops by the uh, other team where they consistently held the ball for a while. So it this, this was an, I mean, I hate to say it, this was an entirely different kind of disappointing than that 2002 game. Yeah, disappointing, ugly. Yeah, sure, those are, are all true things. But the geez, the response, the fan response, it's even just uglier and uglier. Let's talk about some of the dumbest games. Here's at Neil Coulong. Dumbest games in his in the history of Heinz Field. We've mm. got we've got the the Houston game, 2002. Two th- two interceptions and a fumble for scores. That mm-hmm. was a uh, that was a 24-3 win when Houston had 47 total yards of offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to. 2007, the the Mud Bowl game. Of course, we all know that the punt that became embedded in the field was the highlight of a 3-0 pit win. And now Neil puts this as the third dumbest one. Uh, I mean, I guess you can't argue with the, the results of those. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's also remember the first one, the Steelers don't win. I mean, that's that's a yeah. typo on his part. That is a loss. I mean, I, I think these can be three of the most ridiculous games. I mean, there's the one, you know, that, that one opener the Steelers had against the Browns where they had a huge fir- uh, first half lead and then almost gave it up. I mean, that, I would put that maybe towards this list, too. But, yeah, these are I mean, if we're going by the dumbest game in terms of like something that's difficult to watch and does not give you much emotional release, then, yes, these games would this would absolutely be 
be that list. We also had a tie against Cleveland just two seasons ago, mm-hmm. which was pretty crappy too, as far as uh, as far as overall games. You know mm-hmm. that Cleveland team wasn't much different from this Detroit team. You know, it's just it's just I keep saying it again. <laughs> Act like we've been here before. Gosh, uh, how about at our own another behind the steel curtain guy mm-hmm. at. Uh, DeFeo, man, Tony DeFeo, just once, I'd like the Steelers to make a tie actually feel like one and not a loss. Just how many ties can this guy remember? (laughs) We've got the one last week, the one from the Browns uh, two seasons ago. Mm -hmm. Then before that, you got to go back to the Vic tie. Was that 2002? I was going to say, it was about 19 years ago, yeah. And, um, and, and well, I think the problem with see, I think the reason that a lot a tie is always going to feel like a loss in football is that like you're always going to get to a tie through an overtime where you've seen your team struggle to score. It's not like in, uh, uh, you know, the only way a tie isn't going to feel like a loss is if your team has some massive comeback in the fourth quarter and ties it and gets to overtime and then they kick the field goal and then you kick the field goal and then it's back and forth and then it ends. And that's almost never going to happen. So Just because there weren't a lot of points scored didn't make this, this might, maybe a, sure a sloppy game, mm-hmm. but it certainly didn't make it any... Uh, a less exciting game, you know, just because there weren't points on the board, there was action the whole time. Uh, you, you know, just all, everyone thinking that this was just like our worst game ever. I mean, can you remember the game we lost to Tebow? Was that a worse game? How about the game we lost to Blake Bortles? Was that a worse game? We we've been here before. We you know we lose games. We we and, and I guess now we tie games. So I, I I don't know. Am I off base here? It just seems like this was Steeler Nation's lowest moment. They're most disappointed, and to the fact where some people are just embarrassed and ashamed of the team. Well, I think what so much of what we're hearing here, particularly from the fans, is that like I think you're seeing the last kind of gasp of those that might have looked at this team or even held that belief in the back of their heads that maybe this really is a Super Bowl contender or that team that had like strong championship uh, uh, caliber that a game like this makes it very very hard to hold on to that so that's thus all this well how do they say it sturm undrang is people trying to expel that to get it out to say ah i never loved you anyway you know ah, i'm distancing myself from that emotion that's where i assume a lot of this you know i i'm embarrassed and it's dumb and it's pathetic uh comes from if you thought we were on a super bowl track <laughs> at at this point at, at uh at, at five and three <laughs> Then, I mean, come on, you you obviously a new fan. You know, our seasons take 17 weeks, uh, or I guess now it'll take 18 weeks <laughs> to figure out what, you know, and so I don't know. I'm just, I just, I'm just, I was, I was shocked and mm. appalled. Maybe I was ashamed of Steelers Nation, <laughs> the reaction to this. I mean, come on, it was still a tie. It's not a loss. And it's, we, there's still so many games left. All right, let's, uh, you know, let's let's move on because you know there was no Ben there. We couldn't mm-hmm. fire Ben this week, so I guess we had to fire Mason. Let's get to the tweets at Kanyik Steel Kanyik Kanvik. The Steelers gave Rudolph. I don't know either. The Steelers gave Rudolph every chance to win that game. Stalled end zone, red zone drives, balls thrown at the ground, overthrowing receivers, all wide opens. He ain't it, man. Time to move it along. 
Uh, mm. let, well, let's just keep it. Let's just keep the, the the Mason hate going. This is from at Z Golden fourteen. If that game doesn't solidify to the front office that Mason Rudolph should not be the starter after Ben is gone, then I don't know what will. Mm. Uh, what was? How, how did you see uh, Maga Mace there? The last uh, I I I mean I I, I person I, I thought Mason was okay. I thought he had chances to win the game. I thought he didn't take advantage of them. I, 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 as with most things with Mason, when he's not successful, I kind of feel bad for the kid. It seems like he's been through a bit. I do agree with the point that you can't by any means give Mason the job. I mean, you can bring, you can, I mean, he's on, he's on contract to bring him in, you know, ha- give him a chance to compete with whoever you bring in, whether it's, you know, the big veteran, the big draft pick, the big something or other. But, uh, but I would not feel comfortable with Mason as a long-term starter, just based on what I saw in the second half, even allowing for, you know, coming in at the last minute and, and very bad weather and all that sort of thing. But I, you know, it's, it, it's hard for me to blame Mason for them not winning the game, uh, even with skipping the pass into Ray Ray on the uh, red zone um, drive. I mean, it's it, to, let's let's be let's be frank. You know, Ben is a, is an all time Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. but Mason's performance wasn't mm, a completely no. different from what we've seen from Ben this season. You know, mm-hmm. and and to to repeat what Tomlin said, you know, he put us in a winning position. Certainly, you had we had four. Turnover. I'll count them as four turnovers in overtime. We had the two fumbles. Mm-hmm. We had the Minka interception, which was called back on right. a on a flag, which wasn't uh, necessarily I mean, could have been argument. wasn't part of the play. Maybe sure mm-hmm. the hold might have been a legit call, but I, I think Minka's pick uh, would have happened, you know, without Bush's interference. And I'll call the botched snap a turnover as mm-hmm. well because that was a drive killer. That makes sense. You that's, have four. That, I think that's legit. Yeah. You know, you have mm-hmm. two official turnovers, and I'll say and I'll say four uh, unofficial turnovers. Turnover adjacent. Yeah, and turnover alternate turnovers. Hey, alternate turnovers. In yes. in overtime. In overtime, <laughs> you can't do you can't do turnovers. Period. We did it in overtime. Mm-hmm. So you know, is was that all on Mesa's fault? Those turnovers, I would say not. Mm-hmm. How about let's go to uh, let's go to PFF. What did PFF okay. have to say about Mace? Ru- Rudolph's ranked 14th among all quarterbacks in Week 10. Not bad. Right. For context, Ben Roethlisberger has produced just two single game grades better than Mason's game on Sunday. So. Middle of the pack still, okay? Nothing to brag about, nothing to cry about. I would also, I mean, also, I mean, again, I, I can't praise the PFF grades in the week that I agree with them just as much as I hated them in the other weeks. But I will say that I, it makes all the sense in the world to me that Mason's performance was absolutely in the middle of the pack compared to other quarterbacks around the league, which in many ways makes him a very viable backup quarterback. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what yeah. you should expect. You, yeah. I mean, if, you, if your backup quarterback's in the middle of the rankings, then you're doing something right in that regard. All right, you know, um, I hate to I hate to give the floor to a former Bengal, but I thought Jordan Palmer on TikTok mm. explained what exactly what a backup quarterback goes through. That get, that to give a little uh, extra context here. Let's uh, let's listen to what Jordan had to, had to TikTok about. Mm. Nope, we're not going to hear it. Okay, okay, whatever. I don't. <laughs> that's okay. I don't need Jordan. Come on, Jordan. Where are you at? Here we go. And this is what Jordan had to say. 
I can think of times that I was, when I was a backup in the Cincinnati Bengals, and we had Chad Ochocinco at receiver and Terrell Owens at receiver. Any casual fan would go, oh my gosh, just throw it up, it'll be a touchdown. But the what? reality is, is both those guys ran the same route a little bit differently. What? Bang eights were a little different angle. Their digs were a little different. What? Their speeds were different. So I remember being more nervous about going in a game and throwing to those two guys because I never got reps with them than I was about the defense that we were playing that week. So what does Jordan Palmer have a point there? Is there more pressure for Mace because he doesn't practice with these guys day in and day out? Well, I think there's always going to be a lot of pressure. It, uh, I, I did find myself kind of smiling during that little explanation when Jordan said about how, you know, the casual fan would say, just throw up the ball and those guys will get it. Well, not at that point in their career. That's not where <laughs> it was by the time Jordan Palmer was there. It, uh, I mean, his point is well taken about there's going to be so many different nuances and different little things that we're not going to be aware of. But... Um, what, what, what I guess kind of was a little disappointing about Mason, and I think it speaks a little bit to uh, what Jordan talked about, is that like it, I, I worry that Mason didn't get stronger as the game goes on. If anything, he seemed to kind of, he came out so strong. It looked so good, like, wow, this is happening. We're here. And then it sort of faded out. And obviously the other guys are in scholarship too. They're going to adjust, all that kind of thing. But um but yeah, I I I know I think there's I think there's a lot to be said for it being tough to be a backup quarterback. I didn't have like a major problem with Mason why Mason played. Mason wasn't the major reason they lost this game. No. Uh, which I think is again the best thing you can say for your backup quarterback. <laughs> or about Mason, that's right. Sure, yes, right? yes, exactly. All right, you um I want, you know, we've got to get down to some of the play calling. So let's uh it's it's you know, uh, luckily you don't need Ben to <laughs> All right, the tweets here. Let's start with at Linder Show Miami. Mm. Pittsburgh game plan for Detroit this past week, and somewhere along those many meetings, they saw this and decided the best way to beat the Lions' awful run defense was to have their subpar backup quarterback throw the ball 50 times while only handing it off 27. This was the biggest complaint. Why did Mason throw it 50 times in a 70-minute ball game where the Steelers had 84 offensive plays? I think Nosh still touched it 30 times. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the big, I mean, every, and I try to defend, I was out there on Twitter trying to defend it, and man, the hate from some of these other podcasters out there i won't even i won't even name names because i I don't don't know if i got their names but um (laughs) where where what happened with the play con was is 50 was the game plan 50 passes from mace was that (laughs) was that in the blueprint no i i don't know 50 passes is not in the blueprint but again these stats as you said these stats are going to be absolutely skewed by when you tack on an entire additional quarter by the end of it i mean that number looks so egregious why we keep falling into it that 50 times he threw i mean i did they throw more than i would have liked to yeah probably but they also didn't run as well as you'd hoped i mean it's it's oh yeah that's that's a big that's to me that's the big thing about why they ended up throwing so much why because the run wasn't working it absolutely um, they committed to the run they stuck with the run but the run wasn't successful enough to win in and of itself hence them throwing more than they planned now it's it's very easy to nitpick and i certainly did there are places hey i would have preferred you tried to run here but in general, I, I can't I mean, this number to me is that the original numbers were different. Yeah, but I felt like they ran they ran when they could and they realized this wasn't working. Hey, if they just stuck with the run and lose this game, that's going to be a lot worse than seeing 50 passes. A huge point. A huge point here. The game plan wasn't 50 passes. That's just how the game played out. 
mm-hmm. you if you take away the two minute uh, take a minute the two minute drive at the end of overtime, okay. which of course is going to be past heavy, right. uh, and you take away that the series where. You know, we had first and goal when we th- and we did three passes in a row, which we'll get to believe oh, me, that's yeah, on there. Get we'll to get that. to that. Oh, good. But if you take away those two series, it was a pretty much even run pass uh, ratio. And like you said, the, when the runs got stuffed, you, you got to do something else. <laughs> right. You know, you got to get them up and get them down someplace else. <laughs> let's let's get to. Well, you know, actually, let's first because there were a couple, you know, uh, let's go to at Bob. Pimp, let's go. To, oh, gosh. Bob Pimpinelli at Katie Pomp. <laughs> now he's mad. This is on the. This is on the uh, when we went up ten to seven. Mm. No, no passes into the end zone on a first and goal situation. <laughs> Didn't like that play calling at all. All right, so you know you seem to have it both ways. Even mm-hmm. someone who I, I mean uh, wise as Pompinelli. But let's okay. <laughs> let's get to let's get to the, uh, the 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 series that everyone seemed to hate. Well, everyone tweeted, but we'll go to at. Hokey Loki. Okay. First and goal, you have Najee Harris, and you let Mason Rudolph throw three passes. What in the actual? <laughs> and uh, while we're here, I'll go to I'll go to our own behind the steel curtain at Jay Hartman Pitt. Jeff Hartman, I haven't second guessed Matt Canada much this season, but that first and goal situation was one of them. Just bad. Now, l- like first off, uh, if we score the touchdown there, everyone forgets about. You know, throwing it on first and goal with Mace. Certainly, we certainly. had a third and goal with blown coverage and uh, a wide open Ray Ray, a, a, a ball that was skipped to him on the ground. So you know, you could say, like Tomlin said, you know, his pinpoint accuracy Mace's wasn't always there, mm-hmm. and that was a situation there. But then you had Merrill Hodge say that that was actually on Ray Ray because the pass coverage was so broken down Ray Ray didn't know what to do in the moment mm. and didn't run the 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 correct route oh okay let's get let's what what is the what where should we be feeling about that series uh, uh well I mean it's it's it, I feel like it's it, it, this is gonna be a weird analogy but I almost feel like it's it's sort of like when there's an accident involving like a semi truck like it's not like a car accident where you just blame the driver like in a truck accident it could be like the people loaded the truck properly or it wasn't manufactured well or there was some other you know the driver was also for driving more than they should have been like it's it seems like as, as you could see from what we said here there's so much different blame to go around here maybe you blame Mason for skipping in the throat maybe you blame Ray Ray for running the wrong route maybe you blame uh, whoever put Ray Ray in this many positions to be out there. I mean, it. There's. I, I remember trying to find, and this speaks to the same thing. As I'm watching a game, I'm thinking, "Wow, it seems like he's going to Ray Ray McLeod so much." But then I'm also thinking, "Wait a minute, isn't this also a question? Of him maybe trying to find the most open receiver because if the guys you're going to cover on the field, the Lions aren't going to cover Ray Ray McLeod. You're going to worry about the rest of them. It. Um. It, it just seems like one of those things that whole like you know the, like success has many fathers and failures an orphan. Ah, this failure had a lot of parents going around. Yeah, good. Good point. Anyone could have uh, could have screwed that up, and I think yes. every everyone did. Now, you know, Tomlin said the first and goal pass was an RPO, right. and so Mace counted the box mm-hmm. and he did the math and he went with the throw. Yeah. You can't blame. Can you blame him for that? Should he have said, you know what, there are situations we still should just run it? Well, I mean, I, I again, we're now we're this is one where okay, it might also be instead of like we, it's so easy for us to say, oh, we're to blame the drive on just one guy. Well, maybe you can blame different players on different people. I mean, it's you know, I, I, I like so many of us. 
was I could feel my heart lifting out of my chest at the moments I was watching Mason run. I was like, oh, man, I remember this. <laughs> and it's, you know, and part of you always thinks whenever he throws it incomplete in the end zone, oh, well, what if Mason run? Well, he would have known better than that that would have worked out for him. It, yeah, I, 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 I would, I, again, like you said, I mean, the fact that this all failed and failed collectively and failed continually uh, uh, just shows that this was just a mess up by everyone. I think we said, we were talking before the game, you know, with, mm-hmm. with Ben out, uh, and we needed a hero to step up on mm-hmm. offense. You know, uh, Chase was out. We needed a hero to step up, and no, no heroes rose right. to the occasion. Exactly. So yeah, maybe that's what happens. You get a tie when uh, when no one rises to the occasion. We've got mm-hmm. let's uh, we got to get to commercial break. <laughs> um, and 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 I know that we even I don't even think we've had commercials for the last two weeks. <laughs> I, I was I was thinking maybe we should do a plug for the bar where we watch it at Ireland's Thirty Two. Oh yeah 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 yeah. But then you know they put the big. T- TV on the Patriots game last oh, yeah, week. I was, that was weird. What, you know, and I was the first one there at oh, the bar. Right. I oh, thought, geez. you know, I didn't want to say anything, but mm-hmm. uh, all right, let's take this commercial break. We've got the interview with Mario Lopez coming up mm-hmm. uh, with the Steelers story that I guarantee you haven't heard. You're going to love it. So, uh, so keep it here on what Jin's talking about. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we're back for the second half of the show, which might be the half where we give up all of our running yards. I don't know. We'll we'll see. All right, we talked about offense. Uh, Let's get to the defense. I I promise the Mario Lopez interview is coming up soon. Mm. Don't worry. I know that uh, you're sitting in your car. Don't worry. It's a little bit longer. Uh, Let's get. We got to talk about the defense. Mm -hmm. Okay. We'll go Uh-oh. to at Miked Up Sports One because this was seems to be a big issue among Steeler Nation. <laughs> Joe Schobert said today in his post game press conference that the Steelers need to take practice more seriously. Oh jeez, what should be we should be talking about this more? And believe me, everyone seemed to talk about it. Um, you know, Joe was Joe Schobert throwing shade on Mike Tomlin. That seemed to be the uh, that seemed to be the take. What, what did you did you see what he said? I did see what he said. And again, with all of these things, I'm always struck by in the post game comments. We as fans just assume that everything a player says has been you know vetted by a team of lawyers and written by a team of sports writer uh, speech writers. And no, that's not at all the case. They've come after a game and they're just suddenly bombarded with questions. If you want to know what that's like, imagine if you yourself were asked questions about that game after watching it much less than playing it i mean i can't imagine they don't i mean it's always amazing to me that they go up there and just don't start swearing or just mumble incoherently it um i mean it's one of those things that we're all looking for reasons that this happened we're hurt and we're looking for someone to blame and this comment this summation of a comment gave everyone something to latch on to but again when you see the full context when you actually listen to it it's not about we're not taking practice seriously it's like hey we could 
could all do a better job. I mean, it's like corporate speak, and it's very like milk toast kind of way. Yeah, Steelers Nation acted like this was a Q drop or something. <laughs> so let's let's hear let's hear the words himself, so you can hear the complete context. We'll see if if we're blowing this out of proportion or not. Let's hear him. There's an emphasis on missed tackles leading up to the Browns game. You guys responded holding them down. How frustrating is it to see that same problem kind of crop up today? Yeah, it's, I mean, something we have to go and execute, and it's hard to execute in the middle of the season at practice. What? It's something we have to work on, get ourselves into those positions, and take practice seriously to be able to improve on it. What? Do you feel the same way about the penalties? There's, you maybe regressed a little bit in improving that, Clark? Yeah, I mean, it was a sloppy game all around today. What? Out there, conditions, plays penalties on the field um what i mean i know we, we bring in refs into practice to try to cut what? down on that we really we're tackling have to just execute it and take it seriously in practice to be able to show up on sunday okay so you know <laughs> i it didn't sound like he was crucifying tomlin or canada or butler or rooney or anybody what uh what am i missing that steeler nation is is acting like this is the conversation that needs to happen tomlin has <laughs> once again lost the, locker, lost room. the locker room He's a player's coach. They're not practicing. Mm -hmm. You know, Tomlin, uh, Cower would never do this. Mm -hmm. Noel would never do this. Uh, let me just let me remind people of that uh, we had players sue Chuck Noel over some <laughs> of the things that Noel said, you know, back in the day, like 1977. You got to go back there. Uh, what, what, uh, what, what, why are we so overreacting? Why, why are we looking for. To, to, basically, why are we looking to, to demonize Tomlin in this tie? <laughs> Again, I still think we're looking for someone to put all our hurt in and on, and that and this absolutely gives us the chance to do that. It's able to say, ah, he doesn't have them practicing. That's a lot easier to say than like, ah, this team played not a great game. A lot of guys were out, and it didn't go our way. That's it's so much easier to blame somebody than to just kind of accept that. I mean, it's it's. I was about to shout into your little rant about, uh, take away the ping pong tables again because it's that <laughs> level of foolishness. It, um. And I think also a big part of the reason that we overreacted to this is because we read those comments online and in print and didn't actually hear them. When you just read it, you can read it in such a way about like, you know, it's something we have to work on and get ourselves into position and take practice seriously to improve on it. As opposed to like this, when you listen to it, it's very much a guy just trying to get through a question so he can get out of here. Like yeah. He's just trying to wrap this up so he can go home. Like if only we were just practicing harder, <laughs> you know, we would be undefeated or something, you know, like these guys don't come to practice. Right. You guys, These guys who, you know, their whole careers are on the line people like ben who came who's you know trying to go out on a on a on a high note people like cam hayward who all of a sudden has become you know all this pressure on his shoulder mm -hmm. like they're just not practicing hard enough let me i i'll frame it like this you can frame it however the hell you want to frame it <laughs> oh okay coach uh this comes from uh at a saunders pgh okay. alan saunders works oh, for yeah, the yeah. associated press mm -hmm. and he just says you know it's such a nothing quote that we wrote eight stories from that game and didn't use it i imagine and this is and there's no way for me to ever know this but i bet if you were like for all so many losses that the sealers have had over the years i imagine there was a player that said something not dissimilar to this and that same thing happened where it's just like no one actually put it in there even though they might have said like well you know oh what happened today in the third down play in the third quarter well 
we need to practice more seriously and get it through. Like, and, and all, and that's all that meant. It's just it didn't. It wasn't a game like this, so we didn't never saw that quote. You know, you'll know when they're criticizing the coaches because their dad will post highlights on Instagram <laughs> uh, exposing you know how bad the quarterback wide wide out relationship is. Right. So. Yeah. Dad knew some editing tips. Like <laughs> a, a lot of folks maybe didn't. All so. right. Well, we're not done with the defense because mm-hmm. you know everyone could see we had some uh, some tackling problems out there. Mm-hmm. Let's go to at brand redacted with the exception of tj watt and cam hayward this Steelers defense is beyond mediocre mm. is i mean I, those are definitely the two all pros right well what's what's the state of the d right now well, i mean it's not great i mean i'm just trying to figure out exactly what beyond mediocre would be like slightly below average and beyond like <laughs> I, I, that's a weird grammatical the most thing. mediocre ever <laughs> Which might be, you know, wait, wait, I was going to say, now they're kind of talking myself into it. I was going to make fun of this quote. Now I've come all the way back around. I mean, it's, it's I, I, I think, well, I think we're all frustrated by the distinct lack of turnovers. I mean, that's that's whether it's Romanka or anyone else. And he's obviously been snake bit in this regard in terms of not just bad bounces, but like literal bad bounces, but in terms of figurative bad bounces, in terms of calls and that kind of thing. But I think we all are frustrated by the lack of pressure, the lack of turnovers, the lack of being for them being able to win a game by themselves, particular game like this against an opponent that we feel is overmatched. And I think that's how we take it out on uh, Devin Bush as much as everyone else at uh, perhaps more so I mean we're used to the Vinnie Williams we're used to the uh, James Ferrier we're just used to the run defense being the identity mm-hmm. I guess yes and as much as the pass rush as well yeah which yeah which and wasn't terrible in the game I don't mean to imply the pass rush was, no no but, yeah. but but we're certainly mm-hmm. our our identity at least at this point in the season is certainly not a run stopper no no although, although if mm-hmm. you if you look at the uh, big picture, you know, mm. we had a scoreless fourth quarter. We mm. had a scoreless overtime, you know, mm. so uh, point maybe, you know, maybe points per game is or points per quarter is maybe a more telling stat. Oh, Our, yeah. You know, the defense is still shutting things down largely. And then for. You know, a good 15 to 20 minutes of the game mm-hmm. uh, is, is very porous. Well, that and, and I just it's, it's so interesting. You mentioned those guys, guys such as Farrier, guys such as Williams that played in an earlier era. I mean, as much as, you know, we're criticizing the defense and down in the defense, you give up 16 points in a football game. You should be expected to win, particularly at home, given in any circumstances, given everything else. I mean, and it's, you know, and these teams, no matter how bad the team is coming in, this is a different NFL than the one even Williams played in, much less the one Farrier played in. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yes, they're shutouts from time to time and that kind of thing and low scores and all this but you know you give up 16 points you have put yourself in a uh, position to win the game you really have and let's give the Lions credit where credit is due because they were running heavy packages Mm -hmm. Uh, they were putting their tackle in motion away from Cam Hayward and running away from Cam Hayward It's, it's almost like you know the offense can can play too. In fact, let's get to the the tweet from at Aaron Poobo. Mm. I, I believe this is a from you know from the Lions fan base. Oh, okay. You know the Lions did really good with their blocking. That was the only reason it wasn't a blowout. Mm. It would have been sixteen zip 
Steelers, if you ask me, the best runs they had in the game were was basically a repeat of it was a video clip of their big you know oh, the run. big run. Oh, so okay. you know, the Detroit played a good running attack. Oh yeah, no, and they came out of the bye and they had all that kind of thing. And it's and again, I mean, the big key for the Lions, you know, and I I I just had to stop myself again to help the Lions win this game, which they <laughs> technically did not. Is that they didn't turn the ball over? They never fumbled. They didn't throw the interception. There wasn't the strip sack. That was enough. That that's the biggest reason. As much as this blocking that this gentleman noticed that I'm sure I, I don't have the eye to see is that's why they were able to do as well as they did. Let's get to this seems to be the, the question the last couple of weeks at Blitz videos. Do you think Devin Bush is a bust? And the vote was 62 percent. Yes. 38 percent. No. I do have to say, I, I, I'm more, con- my Devin Bush concerned level continues to rise. It's very hard for me to still say someone's a bust. Da, 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 da. My, my level of concern increases just because like, it's so easy to say, and you've heard it a million times where it's like, oh, when a cornerback makes a mistake, you know, you see it on TV because, you know, but all these other people made a mistake beyond that. I'm not sure I can remember an inside linebacker who made so many obvious visible mistakes that you see in highlights, that you see in scoring plays. Like, again, it takes a lot for me to say someone's a bust. I was wrong about Jason Worlds. I was wrong about Bud Dupree. But, you know, it's 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 kind of like the thing you overhear, like, you know, like failure is the first step towards success. Oh. It's also the first step towards failure. And like <laughs> and part. And so like this, if it, does this mean Devin Bush is a bust? No. But like if Devin Bush is eventually a bust, these are all things you might collect along the way. We can't verify that that's true, but it certainly sounds right. Okay. That, yeah, that I, I sounds. Always, I always get the right. tougher when I point out something like this, but okay. <laughs> so right now, uh, Devin, would you say uh, Devin has earned his fifth-year option at this point in the season? I think you have to pick it up regardless, because I mean, just because again, it's it's resource allocation, that kind of thing. I mean, I don't know what's going to be out there at the end of the season, but geez, the idea of the possibility of what Devin could be at this juncture still makes more sense to me to sign him for that year than whatever you would be able to get in the interim, particularly with so many other needs. So he's still Cringer right now, but we know with the right sword, Cringer becomes Battlecat. Okay, see, I, I was never as into Thundercats as I know. That, that was he- He-Man. Oh, was that, that He-Man? He-Man? Jesus God. Oh, my goodness. Old. It was oh. last week that I was sick, not this week. This is bad. This is worse than when I didn't know Terrell Suggs. All right, well, let's look to the plus side of the defense from at Trib Sports. The Steelers are the only remaining NFL team without a defensive pass interference penalty. I wish I hadn't read that. <laughs> that feels like that's ready to disappear by the end of this podcast, much less this next game. I think I think Pierre just got flagged. Right, I, the say, yeah, it's, it's, I hope no one, I hope this podcast doesn't get listened to. That's bananas. I, it, just, it, it just shows we we do have there's some discipline out there, you know. It's, oh yeah, and it's 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 right. I mean, that's not to say that the Steelers' pass defense has been perfect, but I mean, but that's but that's but that is a genuine good thing. It's and it's also hard to. Uh, be called on pass interference when uh, your your wideouts getting blown blown by you, right? Well, like, also <laughs> too when the dude's running sixty yards through your defensive line, like you're not getting pass interference <laughs> on that play either. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to our big celebrity interview. How about that? Okay, sounds great. I wasn't there, so yes, let's do it. All right, joining me now, a very special guest, not a Steelers fan. This I is am a, a, I'm, I'm a Steelers fan of Jason. Oh, Steelers fan of Jason. All sure. right, because usually you know this guy, you find him in the. Uh, Rooting for San Diego, not even in the sidelines. L.A., Kyle. Oh, see. L.A., for God's <laughs> sakes. <laughs> well, he's up there in the owner's box. It's the star of season two of Saved by the Bell, uh, Mario Lopez. Welcome to What Jin's Talking About. 
Witchin's talking about. I like that. I'm going downtown. I'm going to go get me a car. No, that was my Pittsburgh accent. I delayed. I it. love it. It's good. Uh, you know, uh, even though you know, you're know you a Steeler adjacent fan, you do have some adventures uh, in the Steel City. I, I, I want to hear about this time that you went to Duquesne. Well, let me explain my Steeler adjacent fandom. My wife is from Pittsburgh. And, you know, you, everyone who's from there, obviously, is a huge, huge fan. So uh, when my team's out of it, I support hers. And hers is in it a lot more than mine. <laughs> and uh, in addition to that, um, I happen to be friendly with uh, Ben Roethlisberger. I was actually hoping the Chargers drafted him way back. But we chose Philip Rivers. Yeah, a nice little career. But it I worked think, out. It worked out. I think we would have had an extra Super Bowl with had Roethlisberger been there, to be honest with you. With all the talent from back in the day, with LaDainian Tomlinson and Antonio Gates and the defense we had, I, I really think so. So now I'm upset. Thank you, Kyle. But um, uh, anyway, so I, I met Ben when he was drafted. I think we played in some golf tournament together, and then we had to do some bowling thing, and we just kind of hit it off, and, and he was a real cool dude. So I was doing the speaking engagement um, at Duquesne University. Uh, in, in Pittsburgh, uh, Catholic school. And uh, I was single at the time. I should have said that. So a girl I was dating at the time um, traveled with me to, to go to the speaking engagement. I thought I'd, I'd do my, my job and then we'd, we'd have a good time. Um, so anyway, I get there and the lady who put the event together uh, at Duquesne said, um, I'm sorry, but y- you guys can't stay together in this room. We're going to have to find another place to stay That's for, cool. your, for your lady friend. Yeah. I go, and she doesn't know anybody, and it's late at night. It must be 11.30 at night. I'm like, what, what do you mean we can't stay together? Well, you know, there's a Catholic university. And I go, no, I know I'm Catholic, but <laughs> <she's> like, we can't, <laughs> you can't stay together. And it's like, I go, how am I supposed to? And then, then we're going to find a hotel. It was literally like 11.30 at night because my flight got in and with the time difference and everything. She's about to cry and the whole thing. I said, it's okay. So I call Roethlisberger. <laughs> and I said, and it's late. And he kind of answers a little bit, kind of sleepy. I said, hey, bro, you're not going to believe this. But... um. Um, he knew I was going to be in town, but I said, hey, they're not letting me stay with this chick here at Duquesne. I said, is there any way I can, you know, crash out on uh, at your place? He's like, and he was super cool. Didn't hesitate. He goes, no problem, man. Come wow. over, gave me his address. I took a cab because I don't think there was Uber at the time. Went over to his place. And it was funny. So he just got drafted, right? So he wasn't like big balling. He was in an apartment. An apart- Dude had like a mattress on the floor. Not without a True story. No, no bed. And he had like a couch that pulled out into another bed and then he had another spare room with with a, just a mattress and no bed he literally was like living like a freshman at a college and i'm like damn it's a first round draft pick <laughs> and so imagine uh, what he was going through he was thinking like wow this actor is yeah, calling me up he yeah. was he was he was cracking up so he was super cool so we went there and you know she was cool with it and and uh and we crashed out at his place the next day he took us to the uh Steelers facility we worked out there oh wow <laughs> he let us work. we worked out with the team and so uh you know uh we went out to uh a late lunch and uh and then we went our way but shout out to Ben <laughs> for being super cool let my chick crash let my chick and I crash way back in the day but I'll never forget the funniest thing takeaway was his apartment was like dude didn't spend five dollars on anything he like took from and so i always tease him i said oh, he's living in a fat crib now but back then it was very very funny true story that really happened great great story uh real quick before we go we're promoting the new season of saved by the bell so we looked up who some of the uh nfl players that ac slater may have faced off at, at bayside really yeah and uh <laughs> 
he may have gone up against uh, Jameer Miller, the linebacker who went to UCLA, end up playing for the Cards and Browns. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, might have you know might have might have spent a senior bowl with uh, Amani Toomer, hey. who was a, a California guy before he went to Michigan. That's right. He's from here in LA, I think, isn't he? And uh, Northern the, California. And the only Steeler who uh, Slater would have went up against was Travis Kersky, who uh, went to UCLA, uh, played with the Steelers, Niners, and Lions. So hey, you did a deep dive. That's a good one, Kyle. All right, man, Mario, thanks for hanging out today. All right, you got it. Thanks. Which one was Kersky? He was a defensive end, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He and A.C. Slater was a running back. Oh. It's a small world. I had no idea. Well, I mean, it was a fictional world. Right, so right. Was... Okay, so wait, 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 right, that, that part of it. But, but like Kersky was in the show? Is no, that... no, no. I'm saying if if Bayside oh. was a real school. Oh, Kersky was a native to L.A. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. God, I was just trying to figure my way around the joke. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's it would been like Cade McNown or something. I mean, wasn't he at UCLA a little bit later? That would have been after, yeah. I see. All right. Great talking to Mario Lopez. Appreciate the time there. Uh, I know he was busy and the audio, you could tell we were in a bit of a rush. So let's get to our lightning round here. Okay. A, a lot a lot going on here. Let's go with my let's go with my favorite at Steelers PR Mike. There he is. The Steelers have now taken their opening possession and scored a TD in four different games this season, including the last two weeks. I imagine like a year ago, like somebody said, oh, I just wish the Steelers could score in the opening possession and like the monkey's paw like curled. <laughs> and that's how we got to the last few weeks here. So, you know, that's a that's a plus for Canada because Absolutely. we're scripting uh, opening drives, which is mm. something we haven't done in the last few years. Right, right, yeah, we're, there was a script and it simply didn't work. So, yes, <laughs> this absolutely. This is that, that that is a genuinely good thing. And that's why, you know, these games have been competitive and given the Steelers a real chance to win them. Let's flip to the defensive side at Angela Tagnelia. Mm. After forcing a punt on the Lions opening drive, the Steelers defense has now forced punts on the opening drives of seven of nine games so far this season. Wow. I mean, and, and truthfully, reading these two tweets back to back has kind of made me wonder, kind of made me think maybe this is another reason that the Steeler fans have been so negative about how some of these games go is that you get the heightened expectations of a game starting so well, and then that leads to an even greater emotional blow when things maybe don't go your way, particularly after you say, tie the Lions after taking four and a half to five hours out of your day to watch that. We've certainly seen... I, you know, I look back to the Bengals game where the fans just booed the whole game, where we didn't have an opening drive <laughs> right. and we didn't have the opening stop. So mm-hmm. maybe there is something to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just think that it shows that the game plan is not you can't knock it. The game plan is working. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's uh, gosh, there's so much. Uh, let's <laughs> we'll go back to at Steelers PR Mike. OK, uh, Najee Harris, first NFL rookie running back to register multiple 100-yard rushing games and a 100-yard receiving game in the same season. First time that's happened since Roy Hillu Jr. 10 years ago, 2011. It, it is interesting because that's such an amazing stat, but then you think about like all the other Najee stats where there's been like compared to Eric Dickerson, Jerome Bettis, and here you're like, Roy Hillu Jr., <laughs> at, um, who I remember that season. Hey, great season. He was a good back for the uh, Washington football team at the time. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's every week you can read another one of these about whatever Najee has done to compare against uh, uh, running back, rookie running backs historically. It is. It doesn't seem like a historic run. It is actually a historic run. Well, Let's let's keep let's let's keep the history going because um, at Pitt Sean C, mm. you know Najee's on pace for 415 touches. Mm-hmm. Here's here are the rookies that had that many touches: uh, Eric Dickerson, mm-hmm. Hall of Fame; Edron James, is he Hall of Fame? Uh yes, actually he is. I, I I had to do a double take too, but he is. Curtis Martin, 
Is he Hall of Fame? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like sixth or seventh all time in rushing yards when he retired. He just never won anything. Ladanian Tomlinson, I think he's certainly he's Hall, Hall of Fame. Fame. Yeah. So there you have it. Right, and, and Najee is in that category. I mean. You know, you can't base a whole career off a rookie season. But. No, no. And it's, uh, uh, this is also the one stat that makes me cringe just a little bit because it's, it's carries. And you're thinking like, oh, geez, eventually it hurt. But yes, but this, but again, this this is the kind of company that one, you want Najee to be around in addition to Roy Hallou Jr. <laughs> well, if you could have one career, Roy Hallou Jr. or Curtis Martin. Right. I, I think that exactly. Yes. All right. Let's flip to the defense at mm-hmm. NFL on Fox. Mm-hmm. They they chose the 2021 midseason defensive player of the year, TJ Watt. Mm. In defiance of the PFF grading system. <laughs> well, PFF would have given it to Cam Hayward, I uh, think. Oh, is it, okay. I, someone had Miles Garrett. Maybe that was the oh, athletic. No, you're right. You're I, right. I, well, I, I, that might have been both of them. But um, but yeah, that uh, uh, I mean, it's it's no, no matter what is happening in the Steelers season, you can always take a little bit of solace. And I mean a little bit of solace, but I mean genuine solace and how we will always dominate these online polls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And it just it just goes to show even in a, in a, in a season where we're got so much to be sad and ashamed about we're still out there making history this season so uh let's you know but uh let's go to is this is this shade or isn't it let's go to at warren sap because you know at the end of the at the end of the game sunday night game they showed a preview for this week's game and it had justin herbert for you know Uh the, the the franchise quarterback yeah and then for the Steelers they had 97 Cam Hayward and so that led Warren Sapp to tweet out who's 97 he ain't that interesting I mean I I have so many questions about this one why are we still listening to Warren Sapp in year of our Lord 2021 my (laughs) other question about it is like isn't the Bosa guy isn't his number also 97 I'm pretty sure it is so that maybe that's it too I don't know I mean for me you know obviously Warren Sapp's a Hall of Famer but to me the the quintessential Warren Sapp story will always be and I may have told you this you know his first game as a Raider is against the Steelers it's Ben's rookie year Maddox starts I was at the game and it's I remember watching the highlight packages after at the end of the game and uh, the Steelers go on like a game winning field goal drive at the end Maddox leads him down it's the last game he starts before the injury and you can see in the clips you know the Steelers get the ball back and Sapp but first game as a Raider goes over the sideline and says we're getting the ball right back we're getting the ball right back and then you read later about the game that on the very next play sap took himself out oh of the game and that to me is always the quintessential sap moment he gives the big speech in front of the hbo cameras and then he takes himself out of the game and then they march down and win um i mean i guess this is a comment about cam hayward but man i, I again if you're getting mad about reading something that warren sap wrote in 2021 that's on you you were reading <laughs> warren sap I, I can't help you there I think, you know, I have a different theory on this. I think, you know, as Coach would say. That's a joke to me. <laughs> I think he's kind of, I think, mm. you know, I think Sap. everyone knows who Cam Hayward is, especially someone like Warren Sap. I think he's saying, look who's now elevated to the spotlight. Ben is out. Mm. Minka is out. TJ m- might be out. So now who looks to, is, is, has to carry this team? And it's Cam Hayward. Mm. And I think, you know, I think Sap is saying he ain't that is kind of I think he's I think he's like poking the bear I think he's like it's a secret motivation I don't think he's dissing oh okay I think it's just like who's 97 we don't know who that is he's in it but it's really challenging him it's up to him now to put the team on his shoulders wow that 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 is a really in-depth take on this Warren something this is the longest conversation I've ever had about Warren (laughs) certainly about a two-word tweet right (laughs) and and I hope this record is never broken in terms of personal Warren Sapp conversations all right we're going super super we're going super long so let's you know who cares we're 
We're going to have to pass on Ray Ray's return skills. We're going to have to pass on uh, Trey That's Turner. fine. There's nothing good to say there either. Yeah. <laughs> let's get to the let's get to the final word. How about Okay. Uh we'll we'll start. We got a couple here. We'll start with at Mr. Cavis Peak. Mm. Steelers Twitter is insufferable. True. <laughs> yes. Team Cosign. Team was one in three, and everyone was posting their mock drafts. <laughs> you know, we were going to take a quarterback from Liberty, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Then the team wins four in a row. We're back in the hunt, and it's the AFC is wide open, you know? <laughs> now we have a tie, and and now a tie that could still help this team in the postseason, I guess, better than a loss. Right. And it's and it's Armageddon again, Steeler Nation. What what is with this Steelers Nation? Just so unsufferable. Yeah, I, I think you actually just said it best yourself when you did that kind of a side where you're going, this is so terrible. Well, I guess it's better than a loss. <laughs> That's the key point to this entire thing. It's it's you have to do like it's very easy to be like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. But then as you do that slight little bit of reflection, oh, yeah, this is better than a loss. I think that's where it is. And I think, you know, after sitting through all that and again, I understand being upset. I'm certainly not as optimistic as I was a week ago by any means. But it and it's going to take a while for that. Well, this was better than a loss to fully sink in. But I think that's where we are. And I think depending on your level of insufferability depends quite a bit on where you are in that rationalization process. You know, even if we won that game and and, and ended up six and three, we, we still needed to we're going to have to win four or five games out of these last eight if we're going to try to make a run. Right. Especially for a division title. And also, if they had won this game in the manner it would have taken for them to win it, you know, maybe they kicked that field goal in overtime. Maybe they only have one of the fumbles. Then all you're still hearing is just how bad this team is coming off of the Bears game coming off of this you would hear very similar takes except the team's record would be a half game better good point the the takes with the hate would have been the same we would have just been uh we just had one more win Mm -hmm. um let's you know got to give it to at Jim 7962 Jim Meta if the playoffs started today I know what Yins would all say and guess what we would be in the dance and that's Mm. all that matters right because you know Who's to say? I mean, it, it, a team with, you know, truly great stars, if they can just get into the tournament and have those stars be healthy, which is also no guarantee, would have as good a chance as anyone. So that this man's right. But it, man, limping, inching, crawling towards that is going to be a real feat of uh, feat of them. You know, you, you never know. You don't know who's going to be chemo von Olhoffen in the playoffs. Right. So exactly. any it could be anyone's game. And, you know, as as we all know. We're not worried about style points. Not worried about it. Okay, the final, final word today mm-hmm. will go to at Greg Geisel. Hmm. With these starters out before the game, Roethlisberger, Smith-Schuster, Claypool, Alalalu, to it. And these starters out during the game, Watt, Hayden, Sutton, Dotson, Turner. That's 10 people. Yes, I'll take it. That is almost an entire half of the starting lineup is when is out from what you would expect in this game. It, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to say it. I, I agree with that. Of course I agree with that. And of course it's better than a loss, but you know, on a lot, we're, I guess what we're all kind of struggling with is we're looking for the optimism in this other than that, because mo- other than that moment of rationalization, I agree. Absolutely. That all these guys out, all this going his way, a tie is by no means the worst thing, but man, we're all, we're all looking for that one thing to lift 
lift us up so that we can hopefully be less insufferable. And we've got eight, eight, some game. We got eight games left, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's not going to get any easier. No. And the takes are going to get hotter. Oh man. Uh, but I need Steelers Nation to rise up. We can be better fans. You can be. You know, the person you are on Twitter is the person you are in real life. So, you know, be be a be a be a better person. Rise up. These people are are they they want our love and adoration. We're here to give it to them. We've got eight. We're gonna do it together, Steelers and Steelers fans, but mostly the Steelers themselves. I, I, I would hope. And again, just chill. <laughs>